This week on the Back Table Podcast. What has maybe surprised me the most about it or what I think is the best part of it is truly the flexibility. So don't feel like, you know, oh, I'm going to have to do eight weeks straight, you know, six states away from where I live or something like that. I mean, there are kind of small short term opportunities, temporary opportunities, a few days here. You know, we have a semi-retired doctor on our um, kind of work list who covers a weekend every three months of call just to kind of, you know, keep the license up, see some things, keep the skill level um, where he feels confident to cover a moderate community-sized ER. And then we have physicians who work for us two weeks a month, and really it's their full-time job. And so they're in everything in between. And so if you think it might be a fit, and plan ahead, you know, if you think you're going to have one a transition or a need for short-term work placement, even six months or a year from now, uh, it's not too soon at all to start talking about it and thinking about it, you know, credentialing and licensing and kind of getting all of that up to date and where it needs to be for a placement um, can take a while. And so the more kind of heads up we have, the more likely it is that we can really find a great fit that's exactly what the person needs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Backtable ENT podcast, where we discuss all things ENT. We bring you the best and brightest in our field with the hope that you can take something from our show to your practice. Protect your most valuable asset, the skill and ability to practice your medical specialty. One out of three individuals become disabled during their career. Be prepared by establishing a specialty-specific disability insurance policy from the experts at DI4MDs. They represent all the major disability insurance companies that provide individual policies for physicians. Special discounts are available for all physicians, residents, and the military. Whether you have no coverage, or to compare and improve your current coverage, or take advantage of the new higher monthly benefit, contact them today at www.di4mds.com. Again, that's wwwdi 4 mds.com or call them at 888-934-4637. Again, that's 888-934-4637. My name is Gopi Shaw and I'm a pediatric otolaryngologist in Dallas, Texas. And I'm here back in the studio, <laughs> virtual studio on the other end with my partner in crime, Dr. Ashley Agan. Hey, Gopi. What's up? How are you? I'm just happy to, I'm happy to have you back. I missed you. I, I'm pretty sure our listeners missed as well. Yeah, I've been out on maternity leave and um, it's been great, but I'm excited to be back, um, back with you guys today. Excited oh. for the conversation. Well, we have Dr. Allie Royer. She's an otolaryngologist practicing in Evansville, Indiana. In 2013, Allie founded ENT Surgery Solutions, an ENT-specific locums company. It has since grown to become the largest ENT surgery staffing company in the U.S. Her company specializes in providing call coverage to employed otolaryngology physicians and comprehensive ENT service lines to hospitals and health systems. She is here today to talk to us about the pearls and pitfalls of locums opportunities for otolaryngologists. Welcome to the show, Allie. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. We're huge fans. Oh, well, thank you for tuning in. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice. Yeah, so I am a general otolaryngologist who trained at Indiana University for medical school and residency. 
And I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to Dr. Ting, the chair there, who's also a huge fan. My husband, Mark, and myself um, are both otolaryngologists, and we have an independent private practice in my hometown in southern Indiana. We love working together in the office, in the OR, and at our staffing company, ENT Surgery Solutions. So as you can imagine, ENT is 24-7, 365 in the Royer household. <laughs> so um, talk to us about your move to start a locums company. Give us a little bit of background on how, how you guys found your way to that. Yeah, absolutely. So my first job coming out of residency was an employed job at a community hospital along with my husband. So he and I were were the practice. It's just the two of us. And so when it came time for our oldest daughter to be born, we needed coverage for parental leave, I guess you would say. And so we talked to the administration and you know, pled our case that we wanted to be off call while she was being born. Um, And so uh, they brought in a locums doctor for us. And because ENT is the family business and we love talking to our fellow colleagues in ENT, uh, we made friends with the covering physician and got to know him and kind of his story and why he's doing locums. And um, it kind of grew from there. So additionally, when pe- other um, locums doctors would come in a couple times a year when we would go on vacation and all of that, we would get to know them and kind of learn about the company and the model and what was going on. And one thing that really struck us kind of having that insider perspective was the difference in what our practice was paying for locums physicians to cover and what the locums physicians were getting paid to cover our practice. And so we yeah. felt like there was room in the marketplace for a more competitive option. So when we transitioned from being employed ENTs into private practice when our contract finished, we knew that we wanted to be a part of the marketplace, both in kind of performing some locage, locums coverage options ourselves and um, entering through uh, some of the people we had met and other kind of contacts and uh, colleagues that we knew. And so just going back to some of the ENT locums that y'all met initially, were those mostly found through other locums companies or were some of these independently contracting with the hospital to fill in PRN? How, does, how did that work? So both. And that's what was interesting. So there was um, someone who was sort of local who came in um, independently contracting, but then there were also coverage options through the years where the bigger kind of general locums companies that the hospital was already working with for other service lines would bring in. And for as far as um, contract like length, so for, for locums, is it highly variable? Like, you know, how what's the commitment for doctors who kind of sign on? Or pr- it probably depends on the need of the practice too, right? Like, you know, if someone's out on parental leave, then, you know, it's that long. Um, who kind of decides? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So we find with our uh, hospital and group staffing contracts that there's a lot of variability. So we have some contracts where the hospital is looking for a service line. Often these are rural hospitals who maybe can't recruit a full-time ENT or need an ENT service line, but maybe don't have the demand for a full-time, you know, everyday service line. So two or three days a week. In that case, we rotate physicians in um, and they'll come and cover, you know, three or four days and then rotate with other physicians who will come in, ENTs and staff, the same practice in a small hospital. We also have a number of clients who 
want call coverage. And so these are typically employed ENT groups who have maybe two or three, four physicians, um, but busy practices and busy ER call and need some relief from the call burden portion of the job um, to really perform at their best level for the practice portion of their job. And so we'll bring in ENT physicians. Sometimes these doctors will come for a weekend a month. Sometimes it's a week or two a month providing primarily call coverage. And so there's kind of the call coverage, locums positions, but then also the clinical practice locums positions. And um, did you or your husband have um, locums experience prior to starting your own uh, locums company? We did not have personal experience with it until we transitioned from employment and into private practice. And at that point, um, I actually took locums work for a, an employed ENT group that I knew personally that was having trouble recruiting, was kind of had, had a partner retire and was trying to find somebody new to bring in. And so they were really stretched then from a call perspective. And so I, per, I did call coverage for them about a week a month while we were kind of setting up and growing our uh, independent primary practice, which allowed me to really gain a lot of firsthand knowledge about what the experience involves. Yeah. I had, um, after residency, my first job, because we were kind of in a transition period before I did my fellowship, was locum-style work um, with um, Mark Williams, who was actually one of our guests on a voice episode on Backtable. And for me, it was, you know, this was, uh, when I was looking uh, the f- uh, fall of 2011 to figure out what I was going to do the fall of 2012. But, you know, there was definitely different locums companies, but I didn't really know how to navigate that. And so I knew where we were going to be. And I just started cold calling and, you know, I didn't cover nights and weekends, but he just needed somebody to see patients in his clinic. And so that practice, the, the structure of it was kind of as needed, but in a, in a clinic as during the day setup, which was kind of nice too. I learned a lot. Yeah, that sounds like a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So, but a similar, and I loved it actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, flexibility. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the interesting things about locums work. I think is there is so much flexibility. So we're talking. My husband and I are talking to people all the time who, for different reasons, are in a position where they want some short term work. You know, maybe a spouse is finishing up training in a different specialty, and they have a year. Or um, we have. One of the docs who works for us right now, she is transitioning from a community hospital and she's going back and doing head and neck fellowship. So she had the months of from last November to July 1st. And so she's currently working about two weeks a month um, covering call. And so there are these different situations people find themselves in, sometimes short term, sometimes longer term. And they're just looking for kind of these different options to be available and I think as ENTs, having been through the training, we kind of understand these life transitions. And these are really great, solid docs who are great clinical practitioners. Um, and so we want to find them the ability to work because people, you know, want to work and see patients and enjoy it and want to find these different opportunities that might fit with what they're looking for. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's it's so common um, for us to have these unique schedules where there's gaps or transitions or things like, you know, lots of doctors are married to other doctors or there's just different, you know, things that happen in life, you know, babies or fellowships or just, you know, um, different life events. Talk to us about how, you know, given that you guys are ENTs and have that life experience, 
how your um, company, you know, compare and contrasts with these big locums companies that are, you know, like the big national companies? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we think is really unique about our company is that we are ENTs first, and then this is kind of a side passion of ours. And so I think we're able to, when hospitals contact us or com- community groups, private practice groups contact us with a need, I think we're pretty good at assessing, does this make sense? What kind of coverage will this require? Like how much, how often, what does the call look like? And is it feasible? And if so, in what regard? Because we have the experience of ENT's unique profession. I mean, there are unique things about an ENT service line that don't necessarily pertain to ortho or neuro or other things. And so I think we're able to kind of assess and give people a realistic picture. I also think that for doctors who work with our company, like we love ENT's. We love the specialty, but we also love just getting to know people. So We have conversations, you know, almost every day with just different ENTs at different stages in life for practice, different parts of the country about kind of what their needs are, what they're looking for. And we really just try to help in any way possible. Sometimes a locum's position might be a good fit um, and sometimes maybe they go in a different direction. But ultimately, we just try to, you know, we like getting to know people. We like talking to people, especially other ENTs. And we don't have recruiters. So when you're working with our company... You're working with us or our direct staff member. And so we're a part of why we're able to kind of pay our docs more and do these competitive contracts with hospitals and groups that need coverage is because the middlemen are not there. It's my husband, myself, and our direct staff member. And so we don't have that middle layer of people who are like, cold calling, texting. I mean, we get the texts and the calls and the messages and everything too uh, from the bigger companies. And so that's not us. You know, we're really looking to match ENTs with opportunities, but don't have all of the kind of fluff in between. I love um, that y'all also love talking to other ENTs. I mean, this is why Ash and I show up for the podcast because you always meet really just intelligent, creative people that are doing just cool stuff. And so it's um it's it's great to be a part of that uh, journey and process and um, it also helps you personally. Um, how do the hospitals or practices? How do you get to know or how do you contract with the hospitals or practices? How do you find out which uh, hospitals or groups need coverage? Um, how do you know where there's openings or types of spaces um, that they're looking for? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of that comes through grassroots internet. I think base searching, you know, people reach out to us through our website or through our Facebook and let us know, hey, we're looking for this or that. Um, we also have, I would say, between my husband and myself and all of our kind of people we've trained with and colleagues, we have a pretty good kind of network of uh, friends in the field who kind of look for opportunities and know that we're here and, you know, interested if somebody needs help. Or coverage, and so um, I think between those different directions, we're able to find quite a few places that need uh, ENT coverage. Are you guys um, regional or national, or what kind of what what uh, areas are you covering? Yeah, so we are heavily in the Midwest, um, but then also have sites uh, in both the West and the South. Um, And we're rapidly growing, I would say. We have physicians who come from every region all over the country uh, to staff those different sites. 
um, between the community hospital placements and the call coverage placements. Taking out med school loans had me watching every penny. I took two buses to get to campus. During my residency, I walked 20 blocks. But since I opened a Laurel Road Link checking account when I refinanced my loans, I got a crazy low rate plus a cash bonus. And all that extra money helped me finally buy my own car. Where are we going? Anywhere we want. Laurel Road for doctors. Banking insights and benefits uniquely designed for doctors. See laurelroad.com slash doctor checking for full terms and conditions. Laurel Road is a brand of KeyBank NA member FDIC. In terms of like state licenses, right? Um, some of them take three months. Some of them take six. Texas, there's like a jurisprudence and it's kind of a, they always say yeah. six to nine months type of deal. Um I guess, how long does it, do you have to, is there some sort of temporary license that you get? Or do people say, okay, I'm going to primarily be wanting to look in the state of Illinois or Indiana, so I'm going to have these two medical licenses ready to go? Or how, how does somebody who's interested in locums start thinking about it in terms of tech, logistical, logistical stuff? And how much time in advance do they need to start preparing for something like that? So that's an excellent question. Um, and it varies. So if we know that you're going to have months or years of availability to staff positions in particular locations, uh, potentially, then we apply for those state licenses with you. You know, we have a, a staff member who's excellent at credentialing and state licenses and handles the hospital credentialing part as well. Um, and he works with our docs to kind of get all of those processes going. If you're someone who's looking for a more short-term short placement between jobs, something like that, then potentially we either place you in, at a site we already have in your state or one of your active state licenses, or we look for a job in the area uh, kind of on your behalf and advocate for you. And so um, there are different roles we can play depending on the situation. But we, the most ideal is when it happens to all match up and then it's great and you kind of start rolling right away uh, with a short-term placement. But often it involves, you know, us applying for and getting another state license. Some of the states have reciprocal agreements. Sometimes a particular hospital has such a high demand for the service line that there are kind of levers they can pull depending on the state with emergency privileges and things like that. With COVID, you know, sometimes hospitals feel like ENT falls into kind of an emergency access. Sometimes they don't. And so it's been, we've um, dealt with some of those issues as well. Uh, so it's, it varies greatly depending on uh, the individual and the time commitment. And, you know, I've heard of people kind of doing locums you know, forever, you know, like when you think of locums, yeah. you think yeah, of like yeah. a temporary, you know, it's like a, a, you know, filling a gap between, you know, um, long-term commitments. But then I've also heard of people just doing locums as a career. Do you have doctors who have decided to do that? Almost like a traveling, you know, like the equivalent of, of traveling nurses and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So there are kind of, I would say the classic locums doctor you maybe think of as end of career, you know, wants to do a few weeks here and there and kind of keep up the license and, you know, doesn't want to totally give up the specialty. But we do have a couple of different doctors in our workforce who I don't know if they've necessarily decided it's forever, forever, but certainly over a span of at least kind of several years now have just been working as locums physicians. And I don't know if it's generational, you know, 
my husband and myself are millennials, so we have a lot of kind of outside interests, and we love and are passionate about ENT. And um, with two professional households and kids and aging parents and, you know, different commitments people have, I think that, you know, traditional ENT nine to fives work for the majority of ENTs. But then I think there are other people in different situations. And that's where I think our business can really shine on behalf of uh, a practicing doctor, because we are all about that. So we get that people have these different um, needs and try our best to try to help out and figure out how we can make something work. And it's a great point because it's real life, right? Like you are going from exactly. point A to B to C for like 15 years of your life. And then all of a sudden you're in your early to mid thirties and it's like, okay, here you go. And you think that, okay, there's some golden forever practice job, whatever, um, that's supposed to be that 30 to 40 years that I don't think is as I don't, I don't see that as much. And I was going to ask, and I, th- I think you kind of already answered it, but has the trend, how has the trend been in the last five years, like from when you first started uh, the company to even the last three years and how COVID may have affected the number of people looking or not looking and how the hospital contracts? It certainly seems like there's been this shift, and especially when we were first starting out from small private practice groups transitioning to be hospital employed groups. And then maybe a partner retires or maybe somebody moves and then they're even a smaller hospital employed group. And at the same time, a lot of hospital systems have started merging with and kind of buying up these smaller community hospitals. And so what that leads to is a significant call burden and a pretty small group that's covering that call burden. And sometimes in certain situations, you know, as a hospital employed physician, um, which I have been, maybe your salary is kind of maxed out. You have your contract um, and that's what you make. And so there's not maybe a lot of potential to go up in salary, but maybe there's some potential to improve things in terms of quality of life. And I think these are the types of groups we're seeing really advocate for our company to come in and cover some call and give you kind of an improved quality of life and maybe a hospital employee job you really enjoy your practice and operating and seeing patients, but maybe the call burden has become a little cumbersome. And so that allows people to have a better quality of life. Um, And hospitals, you know, they have Stark Laws and they have fair market value analysis and these different models that help determine physician compensation. And so this is a way that you aren't changing your compensation. You aren't asking for necessarily more money um, because I think a lot of people, it's not necessarily about that anyways, really. Um, but this is a way you can spend more time with your family and have great call coverage and also meet the needs of another ENT physician who's looking to provide call coverage and see patients. So it really kind of works for everybody. Is that uh, is the call coverage the biggest need, do you find? Is that kind of where the, the pain point is for most people? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. it, especially in our region. We really see a lot of moderate-sized hospitals that have consistent ENT call needs, that have ERs, you know, consistently um, consulting on call physicians, but also only have employed groups of two or three ENTs to cover it. And so between the, you know, interruptions during your clinic day and then, you know, the night and weekend call, um, you do really feel like you aren't maybe getting much downtime to pursue some other interests. 
And I think that's healthy for everybody, you know, to stay well-rounded and, you know, be passionate about your job, but maybe have some other passions as well. Well, because at at the end of the day, it's it's a long life is a long game, <laughs> right? Like it is for sure. Marathon, right. not a sprint. We say that all the time. <laughs> what, what I um again from my short uh sort of locums experience, what I loved about it was um experiencing a uh, different practice setting, you know, and having that insight from just how a different practice works or a different clinic, a different city a different health system. And I think even just from that standpoint, it kind of uh, matures your perspective on different needs that are there and how you might also deliver healthcare or be an otolaryngologist and how you may practice. Um, so I think those experiences are are good as well as, as in the process of whether you're trying to solidify more kind of typical, you know, practice to, hey, I like switching it up a little bit and having that flexibility. Absolutely. I think a, a lot of people don't end up, you know, the, the first that first job out of training is rarely the forever job because at, at that point you just don't even know what you yeah. want, what you're looking yeah. for. So, I mean, you know, locums is probably a good next step after training just to kind of see what's out there. It doesn't kind of like permanently or, you know, you, you're not you don't have that long term commitment. I think absolutely. You know, I'm a prime example of that. I worked and was hospital employed in. I loved my patients and I love some things about the job, but ultimately felt like private practice would be a better fit. And it has been. I'm very happy in private practice. But through our staffing company, I've been able to see these different sites, sometimes work them myself. And it is so much fun to provide healthcare in these different settings and be at a small rural hospital and kind of compare and contrast the ORs and the, you know, the type of patient that walks in the door from a more metropolitan setting in maybe a small suburb even. And so, you know, you really that variety is something I love. And, you know, the standard ENT when we're all kind of interviewing and going into it, what so many of us are saying is, oh, we like the variety and the medical and the surgical and the, you know, different types of pathologies we get to see in the wide range. Well, this is kind of another example of that where you really do have the opportunity to see small town rural health, like legitimate small town rural health versus <laughs> metropolitan busy call and kind of everything in between. So are there financial, any financial benefits or if you're doing locums, you're probably going to take like a, a a good pay cut. What do you think? Yeah. So I think that's really interesting about ENT locums and something that maybe surprised me starting off. So, you know, what you hear is, oh, locums doctors are paid so well or like locums nurses you know maybe you get double the salary we've all seen these like flyers for other kind of healthcare workers and how much you can get paid if you kind of come work temporary placements it didn't seem like that was the case as much with ENT locums when we first started the company and we were hearing from the docs who were covering our practice you know it seemed like a they weren't kind of the prorated amount per day that you would expect from a salaried hospital employed physician was not being met um, on the locums front. And so that's part of what we're passionate about with our company is trying to get that reimbursement to that level where you're kind of able to prorate to um, what you would otherwise be making if you were working for a full time full time at a hospital. And I think part of why we're able to do that is by kind of cutting out the middleman, the recruiters, the people calling all the time. And then also by providing high quality doctors, you know, doctors with great records of employment. So you guys 
probably have a you know a portfolio or rolodex of of places now that you're kind of getting your name out there and you know making these connections with hospitals and groups and then how how are you getting your your the traffic from the other side of it how are you know ENTs finding you there's definitely no shortage of demand on that front you know ENTs are proactive people and you know we we get a lot of people reaching out in kind of different situations uh, who are interested, kind of feeling it out. Um, so finding ENTs between the kind of network we already had in place of friends and colleagues who we knew were looking for this type of work, and then people who reach out to us on a regular basis has been pretty straightforward, really. I mean, there are, it's a small specialty, but there are a number of people all the time who are looking for this type of work. And so um, just reaching out through the website, uh, calling us directly, kind of getting our contacts through friends. Um, we've been able to find a lot of great physicians who want placements. Um, which side do you, do you need more of? You know, which, which side is harder to match? Finding individual ENTs or finding places for them? I would say probably finding placements for the ENTs. You know, to some extent, it is an extra expense for hospitals, and hospitals like to, you know, keep costs as low as possible. And frankly, if you can get the ENTs who you already are employing to do the work and take the call. Um, so I think even when it's a good match, sometimes people can um, have a little resistance from the hospital and kind of bringing people in even, you know, I think they're in our experience and there's variety. There are some hospitals we cover where the ENT group you know, had no tr no pushback, and immediately they're like, "Yeah, we see what you're saying. It does seem like you need help, help, especially now that someone is retired or something like that." Um, but there are other groups that really have to advocate for themselves, and that's something we can do. So we know kind of the market, and we know what standard quality of life is at different kind of levels of call and ER levels, and. Uh, it's something we're totally comfortable with, you know, talking to the administration and the locums coordinator at your hospital. You know, if you're an employed ENT and you're in one of these situations where you're in a group of three or so, four, and the quality of life uh, that you want isn't there, reach out to us um, because we can really advocate on that front um, and try to put something together where you can have a better situation. Yeah. You mentioned, so it, it's a, a little bit harder to find the right place or the the where there 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 is a need. What factors do you think play a role in that? Like, you know, whether is it changes in hospital administration? Is it? I'm sure there's several. There, you know, retirement. What what other things kind of make um, a hospital or a practice find themselves in the need? And what factors, environmental, I don't know, changes that might create new or take that opportunity away? I think in general the need comes from smaller groups with busier call. And then once the call kind of gets to the level where people are frequently having their evenings or weekends interrupted, I think there's somewhat of a disconnect. And this is just a personal opinion between what a hospital administrator maybe yeah. feels like is busy call or call in general and what a practicing physician does. And I think Time and time again, we've kind of heard ENT call get minimized in terms of, oh, ENT calls, you know, not right. that busy or something like that um, And versus some of these kind of ortho and some of these service lines that I think people, general surgery people think of as kind of busier call. But the reality is that 
ENT, depending on the setup and kind of how many communities you're serving and how big the catchment of your hospital is, um, can be quite busy. And sometimes relaying that, getting that across, kind of looking at it objectively and not subjectively, like, you know, this is the number of calls we're taking and we have this busy practice and, you know, we're getting calls from our post-op patients or, you know, clinic patients as well. And sometimes just kind of laying that out can be useful. And this is what other hospitals of similar size and similar communities, this is the number of physicians they have in their call pool. Um, And if not, this is the kind of coverage help that they're getting. Sometimes it's just about communication. You know, I think sometimes you get kind of not stuck, but stuck in a situation where you're frustrated, but maybe you don't, you've communicated to one person and they kind of brushed it off like, oh, well, you know, if your call was busy or something, and then you just kind of stay frustrated. And I think that's a place where potentially like we talk to people in those situations all the time. And that's um, a place where we can potentially advocate or hopefully give you maybe some thoughts or tools, because ultimately that's kind of our mission uh, my husband and myself, like we just want, you know, we as ENTs, we love it and we love, you know, being a part of the ENT community and anything we can do to advocate or help, especially, you know, get some call relief. Yeah, I think that sounds great. Um, what other uh, advice um, would you have for anybody interested in doing locums? Any other sort of final pearls or advice or things that you want to share? What has maybe surprised me the most about it or what I think is best part of it is truly the flexibility. So don't feel like, you know, oh, I'm going to have to do eight weeks straight, you know, six states away from where I live or something like that. I mean, there are kind of small short-term opportunities, temporary opportunities, a few days here. You know, we have a semi-retired doctor on our um, kind of work list who covers a weekend every three months of call just to kind of, you know, keep the license up, see some things, keep the skill level um, where he feels confident to cover a moderate community-sized ER. And then we have physicians who work for us two weeks a month, and really it's their full-time job. And so they're in everything in between. And so if you think it might be a fit and plan ahead, you know, if you think you're going to have one a transition or a need for short-term work placement, even six months or a year from now, uh, it's not too soon at all to start talking about it and thinking about it, you know, credentialing and licensing and kind of getting all of that up to date and where it needs to be for a placement um, can take a while. And so the more kind of heads up we have, the more likely it is that we can really find a great fit that's exactly what the person needs. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Allie. Um, I love what y'all are doing. I think it's innovative. I think it's advocating for our colleagues. And it's also a great way to build a network. To our listeners, uh, please check out ENT Surgery Solutions at entlocums.com. Is there anywhere else our listeners can find you? We are also on Facebook. And feel free to reach out to us at our website anytime. So Facebook at ENT Surgery Solutions. And uh, email is okay to do info at entlocums.com. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Allie. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, 
and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, direct message us at underscore Backtable ENT on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Backtable ENT is hosted by Gopi Shaw and Ashley Agan. Our audio team lead is Kieran Yen with support from Caleb Hodson and Ness Smith-Savadoff. Design and digital marketing led by Brian Schmitz with support from Taylor Spurgeon Hess. Social media and PR by Chi Ding. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.